0: Oh, Lizzie, do you believe how absolutely horrendous I look today? Jessica Wakefield groaned as she stepped in front of her sister, Elizabeth, and stared at herself in the bedroom mirror. I'm so gross. Just look at me. Everything is totally wrong. To begin with, I'm disgustingly fat. With that, she spun around to show off a stunning figure without an extra ounce visible anywhere. She moaned again, this time holding out one perfectly shaped bronze leg. Isn't that the grossest? I swear I must have the skinniest legs in America and the bumpiest knees. What am I going to do? How can I possibly go to school looking like this today? Today of all days. Jessica stared at herself in the full-length mirror and saw a picture of utter heartbreak and despair. But what was actually reflected in the glass was the most adorable, most dazzling sixteen-year-old girl imaginable.
1: Right. <laughs> Whose idea was the fair
0: are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth?
1: I can't wait till Jessica and Elizabeth murder each other.
0: <laughs> Wolfield! She ain't so sweet and her valley is deep. It's Elizabeth
1: Gomez. She's an Elizabeth in the streets and a Jessica in the sheets. It's Adrian Gunn. And this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians realize that all their problems started with Sweet Valley High.
0: Each week we read a Sweet Valley High novel and talk about how the most beautiful twins in all the world, Elizabeth and Jessica, completely fucked up all our impressions about what it means to be a woman. And also, oops, how we still love them for it. Give me a goddamn lavalier and a red Fiat right now. Today we're talking about Double Love, the
1: first book in the series, and just in case it's been a minute, or let's be honest, it's been about 30 years. Since you've read this book, we'll recap it for you.
0: And then we'll welcome our guest, writer and pop culture fanatic Kim Nelson, to help us figure out what in the hell is an all-American girl anyway?
1: And then we'll play a round of our favorite game, Who Said It? Jessica Wakefield, Bruce Patman, or a terrible person on the internet.
0: All right, let's start at the beginning, Elizabeth. Are you a Jessica or an Elizabeth?
1: So we've been through this before, and I don't think that I'm either or. But I definitely think that maybe I could be a Todd. Like, I could definitely be the basketball star. I could definitely be the person who could be like, I like everybody. Everyone's super cool. What about you, Jessica or Elizabeth? I
0: mean, obviously, like any... American girl, I wanted to be a Jessica while living as an Elizabeth. You did not. Of course. I was super nerdy, read books. Like I would have loved to write the gossip column from the paper versus the eyes and ears column (laughs) versus actually doing anything scandalous.
1: I absolutely uh, am a big fan of Scandal. You know, I grew up in the 80s, so like yeah. Dallas, Dynasty, all of those yeah. things hit hard for me. But I definitely didn't want the, like, result of what happens when you're being kind of a, a crappy person.
0: Listen, we're going to get into this book, but all I have to say is in this book, everything Jessica does, minus the backstabbing, is 100% things that Elizabeth Gomez would do.
1: Absolutely not. Like no Dave- bronze legs. <laughs> You
0: definitely have bronze legs, but you would also I do date. have bronze legs. You would jump into con- a convertible with a totally sketchy guy, run off to the bar.
1: That is not true. I would definitely run on the bo- run to the bar, but I would take an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what is it that you, you what made you decide to like uh, come up with this idea of where us to do Sweet Valley High
0: podcast? So look, COVID hit. I was very bored. One day I decided I was going to get all the Sweet Valley High books on eBay. They were delivered and then stolen from my lobby, but I would not be detoured. <laughs> so then I ordered a whole new set. So I have like $500 invested in vintage Sweet Valley High books. So we had to do something.
1: <laughs> I 100% would say that if I were talking about Adrian during COVID, accepting her or looking for her Sweet Valley High books, you were definitely a Jessica. (laughs) You were definitely like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. You could never, ever deal with it. This is like, how are we going to start living our lives without these books?
0: There was some drama that I felt about losing the first set of books. (laughs) I think that there was something happening, right, with COVID and with like 2020 and Trump and all this nonsense about like hearkening back to something. Right. So like ordering those books really was like about being 14 or 15 again and like wanting to reconnect with I don't even know something. I mean, my mom used to take me to the Walden books in the mall and, you know, they used to churn out these Sweet Valley High books, right? Like you'd get like there'd be a new one every month and my mom would take me and I'd buy like five at a time and then I'd go home and like read them all. What's your what's your history? I mean,
1: I'm really glad that you had a mom who could afford five at a time. (laughs) I mean, I think we're really getting to know this Jessica. Um, my mom <laughs> could not, so we had—I had to walk to the public library.
0: You got Sweet Valley High at the library, yes?
1: And then they had a special, like, little um, display case, like it was like one of those twirling book things. So you would stand there for hours and just kind of flip through them. And my favorite thing was always the cover art because I never understood it, but I always was like. I love these beautiful blonde <laughs> twins, and I, I think that really set like um set in motion for me like my obsession with like plastic surgery and Barbie dolls like actual Barbie did not, but. Uh Definitely these two twins were like everything to me. I thought they were, were, were super pretty, and then they had this life that I could never imagine. I mean, who has a Fiat at 16?
0: It's red, and it's a convertible. But maybe we should give our listeners a little background about where, how we both have different backgrounds, but we have come to this same book series, and then we take away similar things and then different. So how'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Who are you?
1: I grew up in a small town called Hopewell, Virginia. Virginia and um, my mom was a waitress and she was never home so I spent a lot of time alone um, and I love to read I was like I mean this is kind of the big the the dichotomy or not the dichotomy the yin and the yang uh, about who I am I think is like there is definitely a person inside of me who really loves to be at home and be quiet and read books and watch documentaries and then everyone knows me as kind of this like wild party bar chick Jessica. And, and, and that's like maybe i mean that's kind of the appeal to to both of the twins is that they're two very extreme sides um but yeah we were not a fan, we were a military family and we didn't have very much money and we were just trying to get through uh books always helped me escape and that's why i love these twins but you grew up on the is it called the north shore
0: Definitely not. (laughs) I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, which is possibly the armpit of America. Uh, My parents were both teachers. And as we've had many laughs about in the past, my father used to spend his evenings watching the McNeil-Lair Report and needle-pointing religious art that he drew himself, um, And my mother was a functioning alcoholic for most of my childhood. And by functioning, I mean she would start drinking by like 3 p.m. and would be passed out by 6. So I had a lot of time to read.
1: <laughs> I mean, reading really helps deal with trauma.
0: It really does. <laughs> but, but as we've talked about the twins and like who they represent to us, and we'll get more into this when Kim gets here. But, you know, I'm blonde. I have gray eyes. They're not blue, but, you know, close enough. You have
1: very beautiful, beautiful Aryan eyes.
0: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And Elizabeth is, I'll I'll (laughs) let her say it. I don't want to be unwoke and characterize Elizabeth's history.
1: I'm a Korean and Puerto Rican, I'm uh, dark skin. I do actually have uh, very bronze legs and chest, which are very natural for me. I don't need a tanner of any sort. I do Lucky. love in the summertime how many people are always like, you're so brown, and I was like, yeah, I was born with pigment in my skin. <laughs> um, I have very dark hair. Uh, I probably am a little bit more rock and roll to Adrian's. Not
0: as much rock and roll, maybe. I find that hurtful and upsetting. But also accurate. But so to be, again, to- you're really talking to. Adrian is the Elizabeth, and the our Elizabeth is Jessica. No, I'm Todd. You're not. I'm <laughs> Todd <a> Cypher. <laughs> All right. So before Kim gets here, I really feel like for our listeners who probably have not read Double Love in. You know, we haven't read it in a million years, but we did read it. We need to tell them what the hell happened and what were you shocked about? I mean, I
1: found so much shocking. <laughs> um, <laughs> first of all, I guess I didn't realize like how terrible these two women were to each other, the sisters. Like there was immediately uh, within the first few pages a commentary on their bodies and how terrible they look. Um, they were also backstabbing each other over a boy that they Not liked. Not Elizabeth. This is all
0: Jessica. Dri- Jessica drives all the hate.
1: That is true. Jessica yeah. does drive. Elizabeth cries a lot. All that She's always crying. No matter what's happening, she's always in tears. Um, I also uh, think we should introduce Todd, who I keep saying that I would be because I think I'm telling you, I would make a great basketball star.
0: I mean, listen, Todd. Okay here's the driving force of this book. Elizabeth and Jessica both like the same boy, Todd. And while Jessica is, like, out front pursuing him, doing whatever she needs to do to get him, Elizabeth's like, oh, no, Jessica likes him and, like, crying in her room and, like, willing to, like, martyr herself, even though Todd likes her better. Todd definitely likes
1: her better. And then Elizabeth is like, my sister likes him, so I'm going to give up all my power for this girl. And then her sister is constantly sabotaging Todd's efforts towards – Trying to get a date with Elizabeth. Yes. And so Elizabeth just cries about it the whole time. But also, Jessica is not like a one-man woman. She is definitely like, I want all the boys all the time. And so she gets an opportunity to go out with a dude who ends up practically trying to rape her
0: (laughs) in a bar. Listen, there are a lot of B stories that are just fucking wild so this is one of them. When Jessica goes out with Rick Andover, she gets in his car and he's got a fast car and he's smoking and he's got fast words. He calls her like names. What's he call her? Like little mama. Like he's like <laughs> he's super gross, very stereotypical. They go to the bar And he, like, sort of tries to rape her, but then the cops come and they take her home and the cops think she's Elizabeth and she's like, yes, I'll go with that. And then all of Elizabeth's friends hear that she was, like, almost arrested in a date rape situation and think they should break up with her because she's so trashy. What?
1: But they actually don't know about the bad date. They only know they only know about the fact that she was arrested. Right. So here we go with another story where like people like it's like believe women, right? So they're just like, We're just gonna skip the story of like how she's arrested. We just know that she was arrested and now she's scandalous. Yes, this is and very we do of not the time. like her. Yes. And then uh, Elizabeth's best friend Enid, who's dating a, a, a guy named not Bruce, Robert, Ronnie. 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 Enid uh, is dating Ronnie, and Ronnie finds out that Elizabeth, who was not really Elizabeth but was Jessica, was arrested and now encourages Enid to like leave leave a friendship. He's like, you know what? That chick, she's bad news. I know that because she came out of a cop car. Like with no information about like why. Also, we find out that Rick has tattoos.
0: Right. I mean, look, this book is very much of its time, especially the B plots, where it's like, basically, if you go on a date, you have to be okay with possibly being raped. Then, you know, the twins brother, he's dating a girl. She's from the wrong side of the tracks. Everyone's scandalized. Then the father, the twins father, he's an attorney. He's working on a case with a single woman. Everyone thinks they're having an affair. Because she's single.
1: Literally. I mean, you can't be single and working in the 80s. And not be having an affair with the person that you're with.
0: Ding, ding, ding. I mean, every stereotype about women is 100 percent like upfront in this book. I think and we've talked about this clearly. The number one thing is that Elizabeth is a martyr and a victim and Jessica is a wild woman. And like
1: she's the one who voted for Trump. Oh she, shit. She's she's like the white chick who votes for Trump. I mean, she's the worst in every single way. And then um, after all this drama, at the very end of the book, they decide to to throw in from nowhere that this rich family is gonna buy the Sweet Valley High football field.
0: Right. And then but that's how we get to meet the Patmans and the Fowlers, who are going to be a big part of our life as we continue forward. I mean, let's be honest, the only reason I'm doing this podcast is so we can read the book where the girl snorts the cocaine, immediately dies, and is taken away. And this is what kept me off drugs until I was at least 23. Well, I
1: think you're going to be very excited for the second book, Secrets, because we're going to find out that Enid has a very dark secret. <laughs> you're going to be like, you know what? Maybe it was actually that book that kept you off of drugs.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth, I think we need to bring on our guests to like really help us break down what is an all-American girl, because that's what this book's asking us over and over again, and we don't know. So our guest today is Kim Nelson. She's a writer and pop culture fanatic, and she used to pack her sweet valleys and a sherbet-colored esprit tote and drag them home from the library on her turquoise huffy. I mean, what an aesthetic!
1: I am uh, completely not surprised. I've known Kim for
0: a number of years
1: and uh, she always, always uh, kind of like lifts my heart with her like very big jokes about pop culture that a lot of times I have to be honest, like when we're texting, she'll say something and then I'll be like, oh, I should Google that before I respond just so I know what exactly she's speaking about. So Kim, tell us, how did, what was your relationship with Sweet Valley High? How did you feel about it? How did it work into your life? And are you a Jessica or a
2: Elizabeth? Well, I um, I started reading *Sweet Valley High* probably in junior high, um, and I'm from a family of six kids. So I also, like both of you, um, looked at *Sweet Valley High* and like YA books in general as an escape um, because my house was just so full of people. (laughs) I had to get away somewhere. Um, I also got all my books from the library, and I fondly remember those creaky turnstiles. Um, where like they're specifically like size to fit like crappy mass market paperbacks, and that was like my favorite place on the planet. Um, so let's see. Um,
1: that would be where we put Outlander nowadays, exactly, right?
2: Exactly. <laughs> Which I also love. <laughs> that, that, those are big. Those are thicker. Yeah, you have to make <laughs> a. You have to make a deeper um, spinning shelf for that um but let's see what else are uh, you a jessica or elizabeth kim? oh yes thank you uh i am definitely elizabeth like i don't have a drop of <laughs> jessica in me sadly I she think. keeps saying
1: she says that but i will have to tell you that one time i was at this karaoke bar called sidekicks and kim had just like been recovering from a knee surgery and she specifically said elizabeth Whatever happens here, do not let me do anything to screw up my knee. The next thing I knew is that I was watching a security guard yell at Kim for jumping into some guy's arms as she was doing the dirty dan- the dirty dancing move. <laughs> yeah.
2: He Actually, what he said was, please keep both feet on the floor, ma'am. <laughs> and the ma'am is always really like the
0: kicker. And you're just like, oh. Listen, both of you have a strong Jessica wing for sure. <laughs> Like, you both have a secret wild streak. I am clearly the most fully composed Elizabeth.
1: I've seen you put away, like, three Coors Lights. I'm, I am
0: exactly. we all have
1: our own scales of Jessica.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have to be dragged to it, though.
1: So let's talk about this, Kim. Um, so just to give a description to... Uh, why don't you give a description of yourself to the listeners?
2: Sure. Yeah. So I grew up um, in a very mixed family. Um, I'm a, a mixed race background, um, I'm a blended family as well. I have an older half brother and half sister. Um, and so at one point, there were six children living in the house together um, to kind of control this like gaggle of children. My mom would basically just let us loose at the at blockbuster or the library movie section and just throw us in the basement and like make us watch and consume media like all day long, which is why my brain is like it is today.
1: yeah, we call you K- uh, KMDB because <laughs> she knows like every single pop culture reference you could ever have. But I bring this up um, about your race is is because I really like one of the things that struck me in rereading this book in two thousand and twenty. 2020, do you like how I said that, Um, is that they keep talking about this all-American girl And what an all-American girl looks like and an all-American girl does. And these are like, I definitely 100% believe that I am an all-American girl. I grew up in a military family. I have this immigrant mom. You know, um, I love America. I just, eagles, flags, I'm all into all of it. And so it really kind of stuns me every time I'm reading the statement all-American. And it's really just about blonde hair, blue-eyed people. So I'm just wondering, like, what was did you did you also read that and notice that, and and how did that make you? What did that make you think of?
2: I, absolutely, I I could not remotely relate to Elizabeth and Jessica, and like in terms of like physically how they looked, um, or as well as all their friends. There really was no. Diversity, in, like not just in race, but in like financial background or cultural background, religious, anything like that. Everybody was very much the same. Um, it's a very homogenous community that's depicted in the books. So I did have a hard time finding myself um, within that scene. I think, though, even like as a middle school reader, I kind of knew like this is kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for real, though, because, like, the Sweet Valley
0: is not bullshit. Oh.
2: Because, like, I, I'm like, you can't have something that, like, leaves out such a huge amount of people. And, like, when I look at my own family... Um, yes, pe- you can. It's
0: called America, Kim.
2: Which, by the way, I think Elizabeth secretly voted for Trump, even though she
0: went to the Women's March. Oh, And no. I think
2: Jessica is one of those people who brags about the fact that she's never
0: voted in her life. I think oh, that no. is very accurate. Let me... Let me re- <laughs> (laughs) read the real quote so we just know it okay it's both girls were five feet six on the button and generously blessed with spectacular all-american good looks translation white well and arian white also i mean i think if you talk to anyone in our age group right about sweet valley high what's the first thing that they know about these girls they're a perfect size six
1: Blonde, blonde and beautiful. What what also is very funny about their description, too, is that the author, Francine Pascal, is just talking over and over again about, like, their tan arms, their bronze chest. They're like – so it's really funny to me that, like, it's all American until it comes to their skin color in which they're talking about something a little bit darker.
0: And but so that's, that's like that goes straight into like what is currently like Instagram beautiful white is right. which is like you know white girls with tans and then like vaguely cosmetically enhanced vaguely ethnic looks,
1: right? Like they have the bigger lips, kind of the the hair, hairier eyebrows, higher
0: cheekbones. Yeah.
1: yeah, I um also think that one thing that I, I find um Kind of this, like, all American looks part is like that the whole school looks like that. But do you remember, like, um, when you first read Hunger Games? When I first read Hunger Games, I remember just being like, oh my God, it's the character that's like a lead teenager with brown hair
0: (gasps) (gasps) and olive skin. (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) I was like, good thing they recast that for the movie. But Okay, how so how did you guys internalize that information, right? Like, this is what an all-American, good-looking girl looks like. like. How did you internalize it and then, like, move forward in your adolescence, teenhood, young adulthood? I think a big key part of
2: that perfect size six, which I know has stuck in the brains of so many women I know who grew up the same time as me, was also the fact that even though, like, from the outside they were, like, the epitome of, like, you know, what would be considered like classically like attractive they couldn't see themselves that way they still had to hate on themselves about it and th- i think in the first pages of the book jessica's talking about like oh look how gross my legs are and her twin sister next to her who has the same exact legs like <laughs> first of all how rude is that <laughs> but second like you're like she's saying this in front of her sister who looks just like her and like they, neither of them could like Look at what they actually looked like, or like be proud of that, or confident. It was like, no, you have to like constantly talk about like I'm not perfect enough, I'm not good enough.
1: That's a really. Do you remember the um for the Amy Schumer the Amy Schumer show when it used to be on? They had a great skit once where like these women were kind of out talking bad things about themselves. So they're like, oh, I'm so fat, and then the other person was like, well, I'm so fat, but also this, and then they just kept going until they they all like literally exploded. And I thought that was like, that's exactly what you're saying. Um, For me personally, the thing that I think this is set in in motion for me and will never die is my obsession with people like Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson forever and ever is like going to be like my epitome of like what is gorgeous and what is beautiful, even though I know intellectually that's not necessarily what I'm attracted to. Um, And it will always, it's always never, it's never going to be a point where I think that I can't, when I see a blonde, blue eyed person, I'm just like that's wow. You're so stunning. Like, it's just shocking to me sometimes to see um, women who look like that. And I feel like I I spend a lot of time fighting that in myself because I don't want to feel that way. And and I spent a lot of time as a child because I believed in this like blonde, blonde, blue eyed kind of um, aesthetic that when my Korean mother who was definitely thriving and super hot when she was in her 30s and 40s. Um, And I would be like embarrassed. I was embarrassed because she had like these slanted eyes and she had these like big lips. And it was very embarrassing for me to like kind of introduce her. And it's hard for me to say that right now because it hurts my feelings to say that. And I think it would hurt my mom to know. But that's really, I mean, when we back to the point of the podcast, it's really where shit fucked me up. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a lot because I always think it's really interesting because I actually have blonde hair and my eyes are like maybe blue in the right light, but mostly gray. But I never, it's like what Kim was saying, like, I always felt not as good as Jessica or as Elizabeth for sure, you know? And, you know, I was just talking to my friend Taylor and she was losing weight and she admitted to me, I'm outing you on this podcast, Taylor. That literally when she was making her goal weight, a perfect size six was like part of it in her mind. And I'm like, my God, we're like women in our 30s, mid to late 30s, 40s. And it's like this shit imprints on you like immediately. And then you can't get rid of it. And not to do any spoilers, but Elizabeth and I did just start reading the second book. And it starts the exact same way with Jessica being like, I'm so fat, I'm so ugly. And then the book telling you that she's perfect, which leads me to kind of this next idea of like, what did you learn about womanhood from this book, right? Like, to me, it's like, these are two sides of the same coin, right? Like Jessica's wild and exciting and men love her. And Elizabeth is good and a martyr and a victim and true, you know? And like, you're supposed to somehow be both of these things all the time.
2: Yeah. Like, why can't we contain multitudes and be both? <laughs> um, yeah. Like that, one thing about, I mean, honestly, both of them, even though Elizabeth is, you know, the straight A student and the overachieving journalist, they're so focused on boys the whole time. And like, they look at the relationships almost like as a prize or like, Jessica especially, it's all about status. Um, and she like, attaches her identity so much to like, what boy she's with or what boy is interested in her. Like she can't be complete by herself.
0: And I 100% identify with that and think it like 100% got me married at 23 years old. <laughs> what a fucking nightmare for me, right? But like, I, I mean, think I, those things really shape, you know, I my greatest dream was to be 100% the most basic queen of basics, you know, like have these like very boring like you get married to this like popular guy and then you live in this like house and like I think all this stuff was formed here
1: I got married um, a year earlier than you (laughs) I mean but I actually I actually don't think that my motivations were the same as yours I think what I was unable to do is speak up for the things that I think I wanted which is what I feel like that's what Elizabeth does in the book she never comes out and says to Jessica like hey I'm really interested in this guy like let me let me have this moment or like, let me, you know, like, let's talk through this through. But the other thing that I think is really interesting is the idea of how you treat other women. So, you know, when I grew up in, especially in, again, in the eighties, it was like women backstabbing women, women, like in all the, in all the, um, in all the, uh, TV shows were like hitting each other, fighting over men, fighting over money. And this book really emphasizes that in terms of, um, how terrible you can be to each other, like even your own sister. So when Kim and I met, actually, we met through um, the Windy City Rollers, which is the roller derby league that I started uh, quite a while back. But I remember we used to do interviews with skaters when they first came on to the league. We would say to them, what is the thing that you find most difficult? Like, what do you think is going to be the most challenging thing that you're going to have when you join the league? And almost everyone was like, working with other women, and so when I'm reading this book, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> Like, if this is your formative years and your sister is, like, sabotaging phone calls from the boy that you like and then, like, forcing – and then pretending to be you when she's not supposed to be because she's, like, being arrested, like, how do you trust women based on that alone?
0: It's a good question. <laughs> No I mean I think that's a a really excellent point because we see friendship in like different areas right like we see the twins together and Jessica is constantly doing bad things to Elizabeth and Elizabeth is constantly forgetting or forgiving and then we see Jessica like on a war path towards popularity right she's gonna be in her high school sorority which I did not know happened in high school but as a Delta Zeta, I loved. <laughs> But anyway, so we see Jessica, like, basically her friendships are about popularity, right? But then Elizabeth has Enid, and they're close. But then Enid is, like, maybe going to drop her over this, like, false accusation that Elizabeth was arrested and is now a whore. I mean, there's just a really complicated and stereotypical description of, like, what being a girl is. And it doesn't surprise me that I made a whole lot of bad decisions as a young adult. And it's probably Sweet Valley's fault. And Ida does that because her boyfriend tells her to. It's good not point. even
2: her decision. It's a good point. That and Her boyfriend's Ronnie. the worst. He's, oh, he's the he worst. He is the worst in the whole book.
1: I, I, I agree, because Ronnie is definitely like, I only know rumors, and everyone else is telling me this thing. I don't even know these chicks, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you to dump your friend. Yeah.
0: Like, at least Bruce is, like, aware that he's a jag-off. You yeah. know? <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about men? So, I mean, right now, right, 2020, 2019, we're in this whole like Me Too moment, right? And it's like up at the forefront over and over again, what women have been dealing with like our whole lives. So then to go back and read this book, which is basically like anytime you agree to speak to a man, you have sort of of like agreed to take on this risk. That he might rape you, hurt you, whatever, and now it's on you, right? Because that's like sort of how this book is written. Like Jessica gets in the car, and now it's Jessica's mistake.
2: Yeah, I, I do. One of the scenes that really jumped out at me upon rereading this as an adult is the scene where uh, Elizabeth and Jessica end up in the car with Rick Andover. And correct me if I'm wrong, because my memory is the worst. But like, and they. Don't even save themselves from the situation. It's Todd with some serious Fast and Furious Dom Toretto moves. Somehow like cuts off the car and like wrangles them around like a border collie. I don't even know how he does it. I think it does happen in the parking lot of the shady bar. So it all comes full circle. So again, once they're uh, rescued by another male character um, from the other crappy male character. That
1: was uh, an amazing part in the book, though, because I was like, first of all, Todd comes through. Again, I would come through for either one of you guys. Girl, which means you are not I am Todd. Todd.
2: <laughs> he's barely a person. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's a total cipher. He
1: awesome. has like three lines. Also, when I read that part of the book, I was like, Kim is going to love this so
2: hard. <laughs> he's like a sentient basketball jersey. Like, yes. Yes.
0: But the Fast and the Furious part, you're exactly right. Of course, Kim loved that
2: part. Yes.
1: (laughs) Where, like, I like the bar fight.
0: Yeah, but let's go back up to the part where, like, Jessica gets in the car. She's going to go on this risque date. And then he's, like, immediately basically a date rapist. I mean, it, it was very uncomfortable to me because it just reminded me, I guess, of all the experiences Like, my son asked me the other day if I had been, like, assaulted. And he's 11. And this is because, you know, they talk about this stuff now in a lot of different ways. And I was like, look, I haven't been personally, but I know many, many women who have. And every woman I know would say they've been in situations that made them uncomfortable. And there was just something about the way this scene was written. It was just so matter-of-fact That Rick would be like touching her, grabbing her and, and that it was somehow a little bit her fault for even going there in the first place.
2: It is really weird and kind of jarring when you get to that scene because the rest of the book is so light and fluffy and mm-hmm. escapism and it's this beautiful California seaside town and everything's so perfect. And all of a sudden it's like this very real, like real life, real dark situation. I mean, she's a very young character too. And as a, I mean, I probably read that book when I was 10 or 11 years old. So that I think that was when I'm like, oh, this is like adults. Like mm-hmm. this is real. This is what life is going to be <laughs> exactly
1: and, and actually life is sometimes like that yeah. like but i actually think that it wasn't so matter of fact because they do talk a lot about how jessica's like pushing his hand away and moving his arm and like i think it, the the statement there is more that like you just can't do anything to get out of it because you'll end up in jail <laughs> like
2: she, she right. never and i again correct me if i'm wrong but like she, she does. She does it, but all of her ways that she's fighting him off are still like somewhat passive. I don't think she ever like says like s- like stop, like shut the fuck up, like stop touching me, like. She
0: yes, it's very that same thing that all women have done, exactly. right? right? Which is yeah. like you know, yeah. kind of petting exactly. the man and making mm-hmm. him feel okay about himself while he's also being totally not okay towards you. But you're trying to think about like how am I going to extricate myself from this situation? Great.
2: She's tr- completely trapped.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's because she's wild. Right. And because she's bad. And, you know, I was just watching away on Netflix. Highly recommend. And there was like another sort of scene that kind of reminded me about this. Right. Like any if you're a girl and you kind of step out of line, you're immediately at risk. Right. And it's just something we accept versus being like, okay, maybe men need to be better.
1: Well, I mean, I think that also goes back to even like the way that we, portray- like, women are portrayed in the book, right? So, like, even the single woman who's working with her dad is all of a sudden some kind of like hooker, like, marriage breaker upper kind of person. I don't even know what the words would be. But I also keep thinking about how then Jessica, like, after this whole thing happens, And she's having a fight with her sister, Elizabeth, because Elizabeth finds out that she is, like, pretended to be her when she got arrested. Also then goes on to make up a story about how Todd tried to rape her.
0: Thank you for bringing that up because it completely slipped my mind until just right now. And that was, like, literally outrageous. So basically, Jessica still After Todd is like, you know, I really want to be with your sister. No matter what, Jessica's not going to let it go. And so she basically tells her sister, Elizabeth, that Todd is a date rapist and made her feel uncomfortable. And Elizabeth is like, oh, no, not this guy I liked. He's a rapist. This is sad. And then eventually it comes out that, like, no, I just made that shit up. And everybody kind of skips off to the football game. What
1: the fuck? I was like I don't even know what is happening why am I reading this book that was literally my feeling was like I love Adrian so much that I'm gonna keep doing this but I was like this doesn't make any sense at all and the fact that Elizabeth just like lays down for it she's like okay my sister has now impersonated me in this criminal action and then also on top of that she's sabotaged me for the boy that I like and now she's like pretending that my bo- the boy that I like has, has raped me now I don't have a sister I don't have a sister, but I've got to ask him. I know you do. Has your sister ever done that
2: to you? <laughs> Any level of that? <laughs> N- no. That's <laughs> not a sister thing. I'd also wanted to say that the Babysitter's Club would never do that to each other either. It doesn't have to be a sisterly relationship. That's true. It's Claudia just, and Dawn, exactly. never. Exactly. We're talking just good, solid friendship. You don't do that. With a business. With a business. It's inspiring. Goals not associated with men.
0: Love it. But, you know, honestly, isn't Jessica, though, a bit of a beacon of feminism? Isn't Jessica, like, trying to get out from under all the trappings of being a lady? Like, you know, she's going to go on a date. She's going to do what she wants. I mean, there's a reason why people love Jessica. I mean, if you ask anyone, people will say things like, I mean, obviously, I'm Elizabeth, but I always wanted to be a Jessica.
1: I think it's probably a lot about um, the idea of, like, being wild. Like, I mean, for a long time, women were supposed to be demure and quiet and kind of settled in. And to have someone like Jessica, who's, like, super, super crazy and wild, is, is exciting. The problem with it is that she thinks that in order for her to be that way, she has to just like plow over all these women. And that is, that is the hardest part to deal with. You know, when you talk about feminism, I think a lot of, uh, people probably do feel that like some women just don't understand that. I mean, I have two daughters who are now in their, you know, late teens, early twenties. And I remember my um, oldest one at one point saying to me that she wasn't like good making friends with girls. It was hard for her to make friends with girls. And I was just like, this is still, Decades and decades and decades into this is still an issue because actually all of this is pretty fairly new, which is crazy Mm -hmm. because in the 80s, I do remember like the movies were all about like women who are power women with big shoulder pads because, you know, women can now run businesses. And that wasn't that long ago, you know, and so finding a way to accept someone like Jessica, kind of bring her into the fold and then also kind of teach her things is i is what I hope that Elizabeth is going to do throughout this series. But she sucks at it.
0: She She's really not going to do that because Elizabeth is the perfect woman, which is docile and, you know, agreeable and puts her needs last. Like Elizabeth is going to be a great mother who like maybe drives her van load of children into the lake because she just like can't, do it anymore.
1: I but mean, she, look, but she Jessica, has a shift change. She has a character shift not at really. the end of the movie. I mean, at the end of it's the book, a
0: book, Elizabeth. She, right? At the end of
1: the book, she's like, "I'm gonna push my sister into the pool."
0: Oh God! I mean, the, you're gonna give her a lot of credit for that. Look, I mean, bottom line <laughs> is Jessica is not intersectional. <laughs> it was the '80s. She wasn't. She didn't but, know
1: how to be intersectional because literally there are no people of color at the
0: school. <laughs> It's a problem. And I hope we're going to encounter perhaps some LGBT people. Perhaps. And, you know, the Wakefields are not the richest people in town. Those are the Patmans and the Fowlers. So we're talking about, you know, middle class people.
1: (laughs) Kim, I'm dying to know, though, like at the end of this. So like you read it when you were a kid. Now you're at the end of it. You're rereading it as like a full grown adult. What were your like biggest impressions? what were you were you reading it, and like, what the hell am I been reading or what were what were your feelings about it
2: i it made me like it brought back a lot of memories of reading it for the first time, and I feel like even at that young age of reading it, like I felt like, well, this is like it's pure escapism, and that's what I always loved from and got from it. But it's just so fluffy and so concerned with romance that um Like, I don't know if it was ever any... But, like, the thing that's, like, was really stuck with me like the deepest to be honest what what probably stuck with me the most from those years of reading were the V.C. Andrews books which is like a really like messed up like weird thing to say No because those had
0: like real life sex and uh, Wokefield listeners stay tuned because we're thinking we're going to do a whole series on Sweet Valley High and then move on to V.C. Andrews. We definitely have to come back for that Oh
2: yes I would be upset if you don't have me back. Yeah I mean because it's
0: basically an entire book waiting for two siblings to Get a little handsy in an attic, like it's fucking great.
1: It's almost like Blue Lagoon. Yeah, was it? But um, just to, just to, to kind of summarize what you said, and before we get into the next part of this, which is our, our game, is um, you're basically saying when you read it, you believed in love, and at the end, rereading it in 2020, you're like, love is dead.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> you, my feeling. I you might be projecting your takeaway <laughs> <laughs> onto me. <laughs> Um, I don't know I think like it may it maybe it brought back feelings like I kind of wish I had a convertible maybe that's about
0: it (laughs) listen I literally live with every day I think many women do. Feelings about their bodies that you're like, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is not good. I'm not good enough. If I only ate better, if I only exercise more, right? And those messages are constantly coming in. Like you're looking at Instagram. You're doing these things, right? And so even if you're educated, you're smart, you know that this is not right. As soon as I started reading this book and the whole opening was like about all the things that were wrong with her, I was like, fuck like we've been indoctrinated into this shit since we were like 10 years old and like no wonder we feel bad all the time and there's some level of like outrage that i felt reading this book That is also coupled with a lot of affection for it. And I think that is something that's really confusing about being a woman overall. Right. Like I love when my hair looks good. I love when I get a little Botox and I'm looking fresh. But then in the same respect, I hate this like niggling feeling that always exists that like I'm not okay.
1: I would say that um, in reading this book and I think I started reading it before you did and I literally said to you within the first three pages of this book we already have like body image issues. We have women stabbing each other in the back. We have nothing but boy love um, and like no other motivation to to like continue on. Um, I, I believe all those things carry through the whole book and uh, it was hard for me to be like I'm going to keep reading this series. <laughs> because I was, I was, I think the affection that I have actually is not necessarily about the book, but maybe more affection towards who I was and who I was trying to be when I was that age. Um, you know, just trying to figure out who I, where I fit in, especially because I grew up in a mostly white community and I was like kind of this mixed race kid and um, understanding what I'm supposed to look like and understanding whether boys should like me and understanding what kind of like how to develop friendships with women. Um, and moving forward, like I have to be honest, like part of my motivation to keep going through these books is because that, the B stories are so crazy. <laughs> they're it's wild. Like, they're like like Todd showing up in this like car and like doing this fast furious movement is exciting and kind of fun. And then I can kind of drop away all the heavier things. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens to all these characters. I'm excited to see whether you know Enid decides that she's definitely through with Elizabeth, or you know I hope she dumps Ronnie eventually. I hope at the end of we're not going to go through all what 140.
0: We just got to make it to the one where the chick does the cocaine and dies. I think it's <laughs> Regina Morrow. It's I gonna be it's gonna name. be like
1: Sweet Valley High's Less Than Zero. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm excited to see where that all goes because um, I don't have any memory of, of like what happens ultimately because at some point I must have just dropped off the books and was like, I'm done. I'm going off to college. I'm just kidding. I never went to college. <laughs>
0: Don't worry. I think we have some Sweet Valley College books, don't we? We definitely have Sweet Valley Legacy and Sweet Valley Saga, which we will bring Kim back for. Um, but should we play our game? I'm so excited for this game. I mean, let's play it. So, are you both going to play or just Kim?
1: I think. I think uh...
0: <laughs> Elizabeth has been drinking wine. She just sat back. Our producer was like, "Girl, you got to sit by the mic." <laughs>
1: I, I literally did like an like a nineteen twenties. Total Jessica moment. <laughs> I, was like, I did like a total to, uh nineteen twenties movie star moment where I'm like, let me lay down on my velvet couch and then you can bring me my cat. All right,
0: why don't I, this is what we're gonna do. I'm not drunk, so I'll lead the game. And I'm also not drunk. Well I'm you, just having
1: a good time. All right, well,
0: <laughs> Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm We're going to alternate questions. I'm going to shoot them rapid fire. Kim, Elizabeth, Kim, Elizabeth, okay? Let's go, okay. Okay. let's go. Okay, so I'm going to give you a quote. You need to tell me who said it. Jessica Wakefield, Bruce Patman, or a terrible person on the internet. You got it? Got it. And we'll got start it. with Kim. Okay, yeah, we're going to start with Kim. I already okay. said that. Well, I was too busy drinking my wine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, You ready, Kim? Yep. Here we go. If Hillary Clinton can't satisfy her husband, what makes her think she can satisfy America? Terrible person on the internet. Sorry, Rick, but I'd have a better time with an octopus. Thanks for nothing. Donald Trump. That's wrong. That's (laughs) Jessica Wakefield. All right, Kim. I've never really wanted to go to Japan simply because I don't like eating fish, and I know that's very popular out there in Africa. (laughs) Jessica Uh, Britney Spears, you should have known that. (laughs)
2: Oh my
0: god! Listen, I never thought you were such a fast number until now, but from what I hear, I've decided you're my type.
1: Ooh. Angelina Jolie.
0: Bruce Patman. God dang it. (laughs) I thought mothers were supposed to stay home and fix dinner once in a while.
2: Jessica. Correct.
0: Correct. Whenever I watch TV and see those poor, starving kids all over the world, I can't help but cry. I mean, I'd love to be skinny like that, but not with all those flies and death and stuff. Tina Fey. Mariah Carey. God dang it. I've always thought Marilyn Monroe looked fabulous, but I'd kill myself if I was that fat. Jessica. Elizabeth Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh my God, what has she done for us lately? Exactly. Exactly. You stupid nothing, I'll fold you up and stuff you in the trash can. Bruce Patman. Correct. I wish I had a friend like me. Jessica. Kanye West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: Same difference. This is a
0: special one. I'm a slave for you, at Chris Humphreys. Britney Spears. Kim Kardashian. God. Isn't that just like a man? You always stick up for each other. Jessica. Correct. Three hours of working on my nails, my hair, and my makeup, and I look very pretty. What happened to gorgeous? Ooh. Jessica. Correct. Have I got a girl for you? What a personality. That always means 250 pounds.
2: Oh, Winston. Correct. Winston Winston? He's also the worst.
0: <laughs> You're both winners. You Yay. win the rest of this bottle of red blood. <laughs> Woohoo. Is it <a> Merlot? <laughs> I oh sorry, she brought a Merlot. But hey, you guys, we did it. We did it. We did it. Thanks for listening to this very first episode of Wokefield. And hey, special thanks to our guest, Kim Nelson, and of course to the mythical Francine Pascal and all the uncredited ghostwriters who churned this shit out so we could read under the covers all night long. Come back
1: next week when we will be discussing the second book in the series, Secrets. <laughs>
0: Where uh, (laughs) secrets, secrets. Elizabeth's BFF, Enid has a secret that she's terrified will make her boyfriend leave her. And that damn rumor spreading bitch, Jessica, is going to make sure that's exactly what happens.
1: Follow Wokefield on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, maybe. You know, I would really like us to do a TikTok. You
0: know, I love a TikTok. You know what? You can be in charge of that. Final question. Elizabeth, fuck Mary, kill Bruce Patman, Winston Egbert, Todd Wilkins. Easy,
1: I would fuck Winston, I would kill Bruce, and then I'd marry Todd.
0: Wow, I would not do that at all. <laughs> <laughs> what about Kim? All right, Kim, what do you got? Fuck Mary, kill Bruce Patman, Winston Egbert, Todd Wilkins.
2: Um, I would uh, kill Winston, marry Todd, and fuck the rich guy.
0: I'm a hundred percent on board. That's exactly what I would do. But this is also why I stay single. Because you know that fucking rich guy does not know what he's doing, Kim. <laughs> this is this is
1: also uh, a whole other podcast. I feel like we need a deep go. dive into this.
2: Yeah.
0: Kim, we love you. Thanks for coming. Tell us what do you got to plug? What's going on with you?
2: Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ponytail Up, all one word, and that will have the most up-to-date whatever I'm doing. That's it. Thanks
1: how Thanks would, for listening to Wookfield. Do how would Jessica
0: have? say goodbye?
1: She would be like, uh, goodbye, but there's Bruce Patman and I gotta go fuck him.
0: Literally, if we don't get some sex in these coming books, I'm gonna have a problem. There's not gonna be any sex. Is that true, Kim?
2: No, you gotta get to the legacy. And it's like, it all happens off page. What? That's when, like, the illegitimate babies
0: are Wait, th- aren't there some whores about town who get laid? But there's no, like, scenes of it. Only
1: the chick from um, the wrong side of the track who's fucking the brother.
0: You know what? The next time we have Kim back, I'm going to expect some fan fiction that is Elizabeth and Todd banging. Can you do it? I can make
2: that happen. Cough claps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> fields.
0: Tell the truth and shame the devil.